Today on Analog Out, we're talking about the wonderful 101 Kickstarter. Nintendo Switch Year 3 in review? Not for resale movie review, and we'll discuss why nobody is going to E3. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back for another exciting episode of Analog Out. My name is Pat and I'm here with Bowman. Good morning everybody, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, it is Valentine's Day where you're at, isn't it? It is. Do you, uh, do they really celebrate it much over there? Or? Uh, they celebrate it in a different way, like, I'm sure you know about this already, but people, but girls buy guys chocolates over here. Okay. So... It's mostly like like obligation like chocolates and stuff where they have to buy chocolates for their coworkers and their fr- and, and their friends and stuff. So it's not so. a so it's not a situation where like maybe a girl that you didn't know liked you will give you chocolates and you're like, "Oh, okay." That could happen. That's very well part of it. Okay. So, yep. But the good news is is that as a guy, you don't really have to worry about anything. That is pretty nice. Are you going out and doing anything? I mean, we have plans, but they're not Valentine's Day plans. Like, she, uh, my girlfriend's friends from high school are going to be here this weekend. So we're having dinner with them uh, tonight and tomorrow night. Ah, that's tough. It's going to cut right into your Twin Peaks time. Yeah, it, it, it really will. Yeah. So what about you guys? What do you have planned? Uh, we are going to a fancy dinner a place called Fogo de Chao. You ever heard of that? Never heard of it. It's over on iDrive. Um, it's, I think it's like a more upscale version of Texas Day Brazil. All right. So it's like the exact same type of shit. Like, the, you know, uh, skewers of meat that come by... And uh, fried bananas and stuff on the table and, and whatnot. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to eat a lot of steak tomorrow. <laughs> um, All right. And then after that, we're going to go to uh, this lounge over here that has some uh, pinball and play pinball together. Have I ever seen this place before? It's pretty new. It's called the Tower Lounge, I think. Uh, it's over at Citrus Tower in Claremont. Man, I got to get back over to that pinball place that's nearby here. I still haven't been back there yet. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can imagine with how often I drive across town to play pinball, I'd be there all the time if I were you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd literally be stopping there every day on my commute home. Man. Playing that Starship Troopers machine. Oh, yeah, they do have that. Yep, and they have Twilight Zone. Oh, that's a good one. I remember that from Rockies. And they have... Um, oh, shit. What is that like horror-themed one that they have that's set on like a nickel? Is they, it like a really older one? It's like an 80s or 90s machine. It's It's a licensed machine. It's near the front... I forget what it was, but it was set for like a, a nickel or a quarter or something, and it was a, it's a good machine. I'd have to look at the pictures from when I went, but yeah, uh, I would be there all the time. All right, maybe I'll hit it up today. All right, well, let me know how it goes, take some pictures, and I'll post them on the Twitter and, and whatever, Facebook. All right. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, wonderful 101 Kickstarter. I'm sure you've heard about this. Yes. So, basically... This is one of the few exclusives that they haven't moved over yet. And everyone was kind of on the fence about it, I think, because uh, it didn't sell well with the Wii U. And uh, made by Platinum Games, so makers of uh, Bayonetta and uh, what else did they do? Astral Chain? Did they, they did Astral Chain. Yeah, they did Astral Chain, Nier Automata. I mean, yeah, they're so pretty. They, they're pretty well known and have a lot of great games. Right, they do a lot of um, really, uh, really Japanese games, and yeah. 
developed by uh, Kamiya Hideki, who is the who is actually a former uh, Clover employee. So I don't know if you know too much about Clover, but they were they went out of business or were bought out, and they're well known for just like a endless stream of of really big uh, hits. Not hits, but like just really quality games i mean they did the they did all the beautiful joes uh okami and then the cult classic uh god hand so, yes i do know of them yeah um so this was one of those wii u games that hasn't been ported over yet and honestly i think it was one of the only ones where i was like probably won't uh and i guess they kind of felt the same because instead of just porting it over they announced a Kickstarter. Uh, Kickstarter was for $50,000, which is almost just like, a, hey, are you interested in this? It's, you know, obviously it's going to cost way more than that. Um, anyway, so $50,000 was the Kickstarter goal. Within 24 hours, uh, it had, like, time, it, would, it was over a million, I think, within 24 hours. So yeah, very this successful. Thing, this thing has smashed the goal. It is now at 1.6 million and change. It's met every stretch goal, and uh, yeah, it's pretty surprising. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not sure how I whether I'm gonna back it or or get in on this. It's cheap. It's only. It's like forty dollars for the physical version and like thirty five for the digital. Um, the only thing is that I'm going to be honest, I don't really like their games. <laughs> like, no, I, I get that. Yeah. They're, it's they're a, not for everybody. It's a personal thing. They're very hack and slash button mashy. And I just don't, they don't vibe with me. Well, um, I didn't like Bayonetta. I really don't like Devil May Cry. And um, I kind of fell off of God Hand, all for the same reasons, which is that it's just a lot of like XXX square, XXX circle, square, square, XX, like over and over and over and over again for as the enemies just come at you. And um, it's just not for me. I do appreciate them as games. Um, they, I understand that a lot of people like those games and... They are more nuanced than I'm giving them credit for. I, it's not a. They there are like combos you can do and stuff, but I just I don't personally like that type of gameplay. Um, that being said, I am happy that this is coming to the Switch. Uh, you know, I might give this a chance if I see it for ten bucks one day. Um, I'm not totally averse to the to the idea of, of playing it because it, it is, it does look different. Uh, you have to like draw shapes and stuff to, to make, um, to transform your heroes into like a, a fist or a gun or whatever. So is this something that you're interested in? And also what's your uh, take on the Kickstarter and stuff? Were you surprised? Uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised by it because I've known about this game and I, I think I only really knew about it from you because I think I saw it at GameStop for like ten bucks, and maybe you commented on it and said, "Oh yeah, that's like a cult classic." Like a lot of people re- like regard that as a good, wonderful uh, like hidden gem, hidden gem Wii U game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's because it was one of the only Wii U games that actually like that was polished and was a AAA title. True. I mean, yeah, I almost bought it when I had a Wii U. Um, I don't know if I will be getting this. We'll see. Uh, I can tell you for sure I'm not back in the Kickstarter because I'm pretty much done with Kickstarter games. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you with with that. But granted, this is a major studio. I mean, I think they have the backing. Of, this is Platinum Games. They're going to deliver on the game. Oh, no, absolutely. It's It's not that. It's just that I just don't see it any benefit for the customer to 
Oh, me personally. yeah, sure. I, I just don't see any benefit to kickstarting the game at this point. I just don't. So yeah, I, I mean, kickstarted Indivisible, the RPG came, game that came out recently for Xbox and PlayStation mm-hmm. and PC. And they announced a, a Switch release alongside it all. And then I think maybe like a month before they, uh, uh, they were going to release them all, they said, yeah, the Switch one's delayed. We don't know when. <laughs> and I, I backed like a $60 physical, physical copy of it. And since then, still, they've been completely in the... Uh, I mean, I get it. Like, if you have nothing, nothing to update, nothing uh, solid to tell us, I get it. You can't really say much. But since then, I've seen the game go on sale for like fifteen, twenty dollars. Yeah. And for me, I'm just great pleasure. I don't even really care about this. It just, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And it's not even really their fault. It's just the system how it works. Right. It's just. Well, I think in this situation, interested. especially. It's kind of uh, dumb because it's like you guys are a multi-million dollar company. If you want to put the game out, put the game out. Don't make us pay for it. Right. Exactly. You're and the one who's making the profits. If you want to, you know, if if you are, if you want to have someone share the the brunt of the risk, then you get investors. You don't make people pay for it up front. Yeah, I'm just not really a fan of the whole system as it is. It's well, just... I'm, I've been burned before. I have, uh, let's see, I have a, a board game that I backed. Uh, estimated delivery of December 2017. Never got that. $70 down the drain. <laughs> yeah. And then I have a NES game that I backed uh, that has an estimated... Delivery date of September 2018. And uh, whenever they post an update, which they posted one recently, uh, they posted one this month, and it was, um, uh, let's see, we're working on the backdrops of the game. So they're still, like, building the game. And uh, it's two years past its date. So I, I totally get your, your concern about Kickstarter games. Yeah, I mean, a lot of great games have come out of it. I mean, the, obviously the successful story is Shovel Knight. That's like the quintessential, like, successful Kickstarter game. Right. But it's just not for me. I'm not, I'm not interested in put, investing in video games. I'm... I'll buy your game if it comes out and it, it's, you know, rated decently at this point. Yeah. Are you but, in, are you interested again, in this game after the Kickstarter? Wonderful 101? Yeah, I mean, I'll look into it. I mean, I'm kind of similar to you where it's not something I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to play this. It's just if I see it on a sale, I'll go, okay, this, this is kind of a, a cult classic. People say it's unique. I'll check it out. How do you feel about about those games I rattled off, like these kinds of like hack and slash? Uh, uh, yeah, I understand what you mean because I bought Bayonetta the one and two pack for the Wii U, and I played Bayonetta for a little bit, and I did grow pretty bored of it quickly. Yeah, but the combat really it's hard just for me. loses me after a short period of time. It's hard for me to say because I really feel like if I give these games a more solid chance, I would probably start enjoying them more. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I'm not I I'm I'm kind of in the middle on, on that. And in the past, I haven't really particularly enjoyed these types of games. Uh like for example, Splatterhouse, the the remake game is is basically one of those types of games in that genre. Yeah. And Splatterhouse is my favorite like probably like my top two like video uh, uh, series of video games, and I never and I never beat uh, the the remake just because of the, the way it plays out. Yeah, there you go, there you have it, folks. Yeah, so I mean, I'll like like you said, if it, if it's on a sale and I see it and it's because because I'm I'm still curious about these games. I still want to play Bayonetta. I really do. It's just that Bayonetta the the. The, the admission price is still far too high. It just will not go down in price, that game. Right. 
the Switch version. And then also Astral Chain I'm very interested in. And I do want to check these games out. It's, and I, I really do feel like... I do there's, feel like I'm kind of missing out by like not giving them a real chance. Well, there's there's one way. there's one exception for me, and that is Near Automata, and that's because they constantly change up what you're doing. So, yeah, and I mean, I think I think that's the strength of that game is that they change the genre up consistently and throw curveballs at you so it's not just mindlessly slashing away all the time yeah i mean what i like about these games or rather what appeals to them to me is just how unique they look and the style of them and how the stories don't really take themselves too seriously so i like the campiness that bayonetta shows and i really like what i've seen from astral chain so i mean my story with these games isn't done just yet. I will end up taking a shot at one of them and seeing if I really enjoy it because I, I I really don't feel like I gave Bayonetta a solid chance. Right. All so. right. Well, hopefully we'll get it on sale or something. Probably. All right. So what do we got next? Uh, Nintendo Switch's third year in review. We missed this one by a few weeks, but uh, you know, I, wa- I wanted to talk about it. Kind of where where you're at with it. Um, it's crazy, actually, to think that uh, we are now in the fourth year of the Nintendo Switch. Ooh, that is weird. Yeah, uh, we're getting old, man. Time's going by fast. So yeah, the uh, yeah. So the third year. Uh, I've got a list of just the. Major games that came out. Uh, <coughs> Mario Deluxe, Mario U Deluxe, Ring Fit Adventure, Luigi's Mansion 3, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Tetris 99, Yoshi's Crafted World, Zelda Link's Awakening, uh, Cuphead slash Ori, Astral Chain, Mario Maker 2, and Fire Emblem Three Houses. Overall... I don't think anyone can really argue that this was the weakest year. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing when your weakest year has that many like exclusives and stuff. Uh, but it it's missing that that X factor to me. I think, um, and I think that's the that's how a lot of people feel. Uh, there was no Mario Odyssey. There was no Zelda. There was no Splatoon. There was no, you know, I'm trying to think of their major, there was no Smash Brothers. Uh, it's, it's, there's, there was no major, major release. Uh, I think Animal Crossing was supposed to be that, but they had to push it back. Um, I don't know, what, what do you think? As the year in the review? Yeah. How, how do you feel about Switch's third year? Uh... I mean, I guess I agree with you. There was no, like, major, like, there was no Breath of the Wild, essentially, which... I feel like it's really uh, missing a major, like, B tier, too, though. Like, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem is uh, great, but they piss those games out so often now that it's whatever. Um, but it's not, like, there There wasn't a major, like, whoa, even on the, the B level of, like, there was no Metroid, there was no Pikmin, uh, there was no F-Zero, um, trying to think of some of their other major franchises. Yeah, I, I mean, Mario U Deluxe, that was, to me, to me, that's a wet fart. I don't, I don't get, I, I actually... I'm sure it's a decent game, but I, I kind of hate that it exists. Um, I have a I have a real disdain for that for that Mario uh, that new Super Mario Brothers series. It, it seems it it just the the art style everything about it just seems so soulless. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, almost like a like that series is almost just like a Mario fan game. I don't blame um, you for feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah, I just but, I feel like it really lacks that Nintendo style and, and magic. 
Um, and then like Yoshi's Crafted World, I, I feel like was a was kind of a yeah, it it was a not a big. It didn't make a big splash. It wasn't widely considered to be particularly great. It was okay. Yeah, um, I think that game's going to be forgotten pretty quickly. I are, I forgot about it until I looked up a list. Uh, Zelda: Link's Awakening. We've both aired our grievances about it. It's it's a. I th- I think that the first half is a really really strong two D Zelda, and then the second half is is really uh, tedious and kind of killed it for me. Well, I guess the the main thing to take away here is is with Animal Crossing coming out. Everybody feels like they have to have this game. Everybody I speak to is getting it. And we didn't have that game last year. Right. So that's really, I mean, does it make this a bad year? I don't think so. It's just, we just didn't, it's just nice to have those, that big event where everyone's excited about the same game. And yeah, it's, 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 that's what happened with Mario Odyssey. That's what happened with Breath of the Wild and even, and even Smash Brothers. So we do need more of those titles. And I think it's, like you said, I mean, Animal Crossing got pushed back, and that was going to be the big title. Uh, I'm actually, I don't, uh, even as a huge Animal Crossing fan, I'm kind of amazed at the uh, at the level of how many people are excited for this. I don't know a single person with a Switch that isn't planning on getting it. I don't either. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't remember it being this way. Maybe it's because New Leaf was so good, and that probably introduced think, some people to it, and now it's like after seven years of not having a new one, and New Leaf was like, wow. Like, New Leaf was... New Leaf is the epitome of the series to me. It doesn't... It hasn't... It never got any better than that. And... New Leaf was such a hit, and also... I'm not sure how much you'll agree with me on this one, but the mobile game brought in a whole new audience of people too. Yeah, so um, I didn't even realize that, but I have talked to people over the over the years, and and they'll just casually like non gamers will just casually mention like, yeah, I'm gonna get a, a switch for Animal Crossing, and I'm like, I'm like, oh really? And they go, yeah, uh, I play the app on my phone. I'm like, oh okay, I didn't realize that people played that. Yeah, a lot of people did. I, I wasn't really into it, and it's I just don't like I don't like mobile games in general. But yeah, it was popular with a lot of people, including like some of my students right now. I would see them like I pass by them on their iPads and they're playing it, and yeah. I, I would say, "Oh, are you going to get the new Animal Crossing?" Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait until Animal Crossing comes out. And I'm going to buy a Switch. Curious to see the sales figures on that. That limited edition console I got is sold out everywhere. I think like those pre-orders were going up and down, up and down. It's weird too because um, they were advertising it almost as if it wasn't going to sell out, and you could just pick it up in stores. And I'm thinking to myself, like Nintendo posted a uh, treehouse video or whatever of them doing an unboxing on YouTube, and I'm I'm thinking. Why are you advertising this right now a month before it comes out? It's sold out. You don't need to show it off at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so at this point, you're just rubbing it in people's faces who didn't get one. So I'm a little curious to see the spike in sales from casual gamers uh, when Animal Crossing comes out. But yeah, so uh, just going down the list, I thought Cuphead and Ori, although not huge... Uh, is a significant uh, is it, it's significant to the Switch in general and their relationship with Microsoft. Um, Mario Maker Two was fantastic, but it's n- I don't think it has broad appeal. I just think it's uh, I mean it's a great great game, and then uh, like I said. Uh, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. You know, Ring Fit Adventure seems to be a huge sleeper hit. Every every uh, person that I've heard who I respect in games media, I listen to, you know, some other podcasts and stuff, and people who are generally pretty, uh, pretty 
strict when it comes to their praise of, of games have all raved about it. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Yeah, so I've I've been very close to picking it up because there are just days, for instance, uh, Wednesday or t- Tuesday, we're recording on a Thursday. On Tuesday, I had to stay at work an extra hour and a half or whatever. I was busy and I didn't have time to go to the gym afterwards. And I was like, man, I wish I had that Ring Fit Adventure. I could pump out a workout real quick at home. Um, so I've been very close to picking it up a few times now and, uh, I almost got it for my wife for Christmas. She showed some interest in it. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think, I, I think I might, I think I'm probably going to get it. And I think that this could be a, a real, uh, a real franchise for them in the future. I'm curious to see the sales numbers on that, but I've heard nothing but but really good things about it. Most specifically, uh, two things, which is it's actually a really good workout, and it's a pretty good game. So, which is two things that We Fit was not. And <laughs> I thought We Fit was a really cool accessory, and but it definitely wasn't a lot, a good a lot workout, of people really enjoyed it, and. As far as games go, it was extremely shallow. Oh yeah, I mean, it was just—it it was basically just like a a brain training. It was made for like thing. your grandma, and I'm hearing from people who do who go to the gym and do real workouts regularly. Yeah, this is a good workout. I was sore. I was tired afterwards. Yeah, I did hear that. So. I would say definitely keep your eye on Ring Fit Adventure. Uh, overall, third year in review, I would say 7 out of 10. <laughs> um. Okay, so we both saw... A movie that I don't know about you, but I've been kind of anticipating for a little while now. I'm not saying I was like waiting with bated breath, but it's been on my radar. It is called. Yeah, I probably said more to you. I mean, we follow the same people, so yeah, I, it's, I, it's called Not yeah. for Resale, and it is a movie. It's a documentary about uh, physical media, specifically games, and I guess. I don't know exactly how how it was marketed. I guess why people still buy physical games and uh, what you gain from getting physical games versus digital. And also, after seeing the movie, I would say a lot of it is also the benefits and what we've gained from digital media as well. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised how much they... Because for us, we, we've, we've had this discussion several times on this podcast... And just personally, I was surprised how much they really dove into the benefits of digital, which I appreciated that, that they, it wasn't just, yeah, physical, like just making the same arguments right. that we've made all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, real funny, quick aside though, before I forget, uh, this came out like yesterday and James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, is in it, and he's talking about the value of physical media. And then literally the same day that this movie comes out, he posts a video on YouTube about how Blu-rays suck. And then at the end of the video, he goes, sometimes I'll just I'll just rent the movie digitally because I don't feel like going and getting it and, and looking for it and putting it in the... the blu-ray drive streaming's awesome i really love it and at this point i prefer it <laughs> i'm not even kidding it, it, you, you <laughs> can't even write this shit i mean that's james rolf he's a strange guy yeah so uh but yeah it's, what, what were your thoughts on the movie i really enjoyed it i mean i saw your first impressions of it and 
you know, I've seen a lot of documentary because there's, there's been a lot of like random video game documentaries in the recent years, and some of them are are really cool. Like we got the King of Khan, and some of them are really just you you can't tell where they were going with it, and they're very lukewarm. Yeah. Or or even to the level of cringe. Remember that Nintendo one I showed you, where the one where the guy's trying to collect everything. Oh man, I watched just, that he just, entire you know, he just, thing. He just guilts all his friends all the entire time. That's <laughs> that was yeah, that rough was watching that one. Yeah, so you know, I was excited slash skeptical about this one, and I actually really liked it. I really did. Um, I liked hearing the stories from all the different um, game store owners why they why they uh, started their shops, how they opened up. Because I think it's a dream of a lot of people, and uh, I think a dream of you and I is where we we wanted to open up a retro game store someday. So it was just nice. Well, it's like more like a barcade, but we also. Well, I'm just saying, like, well, we wanted something like that. Obviously, of course, every game collector's dream would be to somehow make money while being surrounded by retro games, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think you might have misunderstood my. Uh, my feelings towards it because I did enjoy it, but I was looking at it from the point of view of a movie. And what is it trying to persuade me right now? Right, and I also yeah. I also enjoyed the stories of the game stores and stuff, but it just kind of felt like, and it also doesn't help that some of the same people were in it. It just felt like an episode of game chasers where they're talking to the store owner or whatever it's the same shit that i've seen and heard a million times they do that all the time on game chasers where you know they'll just catch on video the owner just being like yeah you know i opened this place like 15 years ago and uh you know i really i really loved it and i i've we've been around since and we've grown to two locations and blah blah, blah. like it, and I, i'm looking at it from the perspective of who the fuck would be interested in this besides me <laughs> like that's that's how I was looking at it. I, I was just thinking the whole time, like there's zero chance this movie's gonna make money. Well, I mean, I like the fact that. Well, first of all, I was surprised at how much they dove into the digital aspect, and I was really happy with that, just because they do make a lot of solid points about digital benefiting a lot of small developers. We wouldn't have a lot of games that we. It, it really did. Digital did change the market in a very positive way for gaming as a whole. Uh, in terms of how many games are coming out, you can. There's also, you know, they also explored the bad side of that, which is you have these storefronts where you can't even. You're lost as a consumer looking at them, and you have no idea where to even begin, and it's a lot of crap shovelware is pushed into your face. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think. At the end of the day, this film will be more significant about 10 years from now when these stores continue to close. Mm-hmm. And people can kind of... It's like a time capsule of people looking at how how we bought games because, as I said multiple times in the, in the uh, documentary, younger people don't care about this thing. They don't really have that attachment of walking around a store. Like, you and I, we grew up with a Blockbuster or a local video rental store and just right. the joy of being a kid wandering those aisles and just picking up boxes. I don't think they'll go extinct, but I think that there's an oversaturation of them and I think that there'll be like one or two in per city moving forward. I don't think there's much room for for anything else beyond that. I think that it it's like, you know, hobby stores exist and I think yes. there'll be one or two like I remember back in the day before the nerd culture exploded when I wanted nerdy stuff I wanted comic books or sci-fi figurines and stuff it would be this huge trek like 40 minutes away to Sci-Fi City and uh which I don't know if you ever went there but you know it's pretty yeah. pretty far away from where I used to live and I would go there once a year or something it would be you know and that I think that's kind of where we'd be at is a lot of old guys who are still in the hobby who are like, I'm going to drive across town to the game store this weekend and, and pick up some games. I think that's basically where it's going to come to where, you know, in the, in the documentary, they were like, Oh yeah, you know, on Halloween, a bunch of people come in and look at it and they 
remember stuff from their childhood, there's not going to be that shit anymore. You're not just going to have random people coming in and being like, oh, cool, old school. Yeah, that's going to continue to decrease. It's just going to be a very niche thing. I, 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 I do believe that the, uh, the a lot of kids online have become interested in retro games because of YouTube, but I would even argue that that's even decreasing. Again, that that was like a sort of boom that oh, happened absolutely. that is de- de- decreasing again. I see it all the time with my uh, with the channels that I follow, where over time they've either stopped growing, have shrunk, and or just it's not a plausible source of income anymore, and they just do it part time. Yeah, and also the doc- I like how the documentary went to li- the Library of Cong- uh, the Library of Congress. Yeah. And you could see that, and just I had never, I never really seen footage of what that looks like. It's just and a shame that it, to me, that spotlighted that people are not taking this seriously because his, the Library of Congress's collection is like smaller than some of the YouTubers. Yeah, yeah, that was. It's cool that it exists, but you look at it and go, wow. Like, when when really... he said that they only had 3,500 games, I was just like, yikes. Yeah, that was telling. That was telling. Yeah. Yeah, so there should be some sort of... Uh, I mean, and it's sad, too. He said he only got 50 games last year, and it's like these developers should be sending one copy to, to them every, you know, every game they release. They should send a copy to Congress. Absolutely. I mean, there should be at least be some sort of way that it can be preserved. They don't have to mass manufacture every single game that comes out, but there should be a way to preserve them to the point where you can at least like send some sort of like uh, medium that can be pl- replayed again eventually physically. Right. So. So. Um. I. Yeah, I. I. I thought it was pretty good. I just don't. I. I could not even recommend this to like. That's my that was my problem with it. I couldn't even recommend this to say for instance uh R- Rich Mike who plays games has been on this podcast there's I just don't see him even sort of being interested in it. Yeah, I mean I will give you that because I was watching it and I got like, you know, my nostalgia thing going and just I you know I left my box of like prize games with you and I just think about that because it just made me rethink about why I wanted to keep those things. It's because when I hold the Spider House Two box, I am like taken back to being in the car coming home from school and my mom giving that to me and like those memories like just uh, erupt at that point. And yeah. I do want those things, and I don't feel like that documentary touched upon that in a way that would convey to other audiences who don't who don't understand the appeal so i mean i think you are right in in the fact that like we know we like these things and we 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 know we're interested but they didn't do a good job of i can't show this to my girlfriend who doesn't care about video games she's she's not gonna understand it right well my wife was like doing laundry upstairs and i started the movie and for a split second i was like oh should i wait until she's done upstairs and then i was like no she wouldn't give a, a drip of rat piss about this. Yeah. So, you know, overall, if you're really into physical collecting, uh, check it out. Not for resale. Uh, if you're not, I wouldn't bother. Um, one, one more quick note about the future of game stores, though. I do think uh, another example to use would be like record stores, where before uh, before the vinyl boom again, Record stores did still exist. It was just they were very few and far between, and I think that's what uh, will happen here. Yeah, I mean, I think the pr- the market will continue to change in terms of the prices and stuff, and then these games will just continue. I don't think these games are going to end up in trash cans. I just think they're going to end up in different hands, and then that's how the market will change. Like you said, there will be maybe one or two stores in the area rather than five or six or 10. Yeah. Uh, especially when game, especially when GameStop closes down all that, all that, uh, all those games are going to be, but again, we're talking about retro games at this point because all those, like when it comes to like PlayStation four and, and even Xbox one games, 
there's there really isn't going to be a much of appeal to collect the, to collect those in the future. There's, there, there just won't. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, moving on. I would like to uh, talk about who's not going to E3 because a pretty big announcement came yesterday, which was that Jeff Keighley was not doing his normal event there, uh, which adds to an ever-growing list of people who are skipping E3 this year. And honestly, it's kind of worrisome because it looks like E3 is in its death throes. And that's a shame. I, I dislike that. I, 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 love, I love E3. Who doesn't? It's the Super Bowl of, of gaming, essentially. Uh, but it's just... It's, it's falling apart. So, it really has. I mean, Sony twenty twenty. Uh, Sony's not happening in twenty twenty. Like they are, they already announced like, like uh, January that they're not coming back again. Right. Sony's not going. Uh, you have. Um, there's a leaked list of exhibitors, and you know Nintendo or Microsoft are not on there. I'm sure they have something, but Nintendo hasn't gone in years to do a conference there. They do the, their own pre recorded one. And uh, we have yet to get a confirmation uh, about Xbox. So I I would be shocked if Xbox didn't do a conference there because at this point they're the top dog. So why not steal the spotlight? Well, they need all the hype they can possibly get for their new console. Well, you'd think the same thing about Sony, too. Which I uh, guess, would you? I mean, they're on top of their game. Yeah, I mean, well, and I was just about to say, do you think this falls under the category of Sony getting full of themselves like they do every single time they have a console that sells a lot? Uh, yeah, for sure. But I think it's just, we're just starting to see the beginnings. Rather, well, rather, I think the middle of, is an event like this even viable anymore for companies? Yeah, I think that like, is it is it beneficial enough to have it to do it. I mean, I think it is. You have millions of people watching. I th- it, E3 failing is a self-fulfilling prophecy. They kept saying we don't need E3 and E3's dying and blah 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 and then so we're not with no statistics to back that up by the way. And then they said and then Sony skips it. Okay. Well, and then and then the next year everyone goes, "Oh, well E3's not doing well." Well, yeah, because people are skipping it. People aren't showing up. So, of course, it's not doing as well. Well, like, what's really happening here? Why are these companies not interested anymore? Like, what is something that could be... I, do, you, do you feel that maybe the organization of, of E3 is just not really doing a good job appealing to these developers anymore? Well, the organization that runs E3 has been a fucking mess. I don't know if you've been following any of that, but... There was the leak of all the uh, attendees, like, addresses and phone numbers and stuff got leaked. So, like, YouTubers that are there for media and stuff had people, like, calling them and giving them death threats and shit. Oh, great. Yeah, one guy had to literally move and, uh, like, sell his house and move and buy a different house because people were mailing him stuff and threatening to come to his house and kill his family and shit. Oh my god. Yeah. So this the the group that runs it is, are complete clowns. Um I guess the I mean first of all E3 seems like a seems like a mess. I mean aside, like I enjoy the conferences and stuff, but I would never want to go there as a guest. Uh people have asked me, "Oh, you going E3? It seems amazing." And I'm like, and cuz they think I'm cuz I'm a huge gamer, they think like, "Oh, it's the it's my dream to go to E3. I'm like, no, I wouldn't fucking go if you gave me free tickets. Like, it's it seems it seems awful, waiting three or four hours in a line to play a game for ten minutes. Yeah, I'm not interested. I mean, if when I was a kid, I would, or 
even in high school, I would have jumped on it. But these days, I'm not interested in going to an event where I have to wait a long time to play like a 10, 15 minute demo. And, and you just, can just wait a few months just, to play you, you the You look at game. it in the crowd, it's just insane. Yeah, so, so the main reason I go is, or I would want to watch is for the conferences, but I it's it's unclear if Sony will do some sort of like, you know, whatever, Sony Direct or whatever the fuck they call it, State of Play. Um, But there, yeah, it's just... I mean, here's the list of confirmed at E3 so far, and it's it's like a weak list. There's no major hitters here. Activision, Amazon, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Capcom, Epic Games. It's all like third-party developers. Uh, apparently, Phil Spencer confirmed that Xbox would be there. Uh, they haven't given details yet, but they said it's a milestone year. So you might be right on the money there about them needing to uh, get hype for that console. Yeah, and like you said, it's an opportunity. If if Sony is skipping out again, Microsoft can say, you know, this event's really important to us, and <laughs> we want it, we want you guys, the gamers, to be here to experience the new Xbox. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I guess we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, one last bit of news here. This was this piqued my interest. Uh, Rick Moranis is coming out of retirement for a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel. <laughs> okay. I just thought it was interesting because oh my god, he's been out. He's been in. Reti- he's been retired for like twenty five years now or more, and they have never been able to to coax him out of retirement. So, and they tried for Ghostbusters and apparently turned that down. And uh, Disney got him out for Honey, I Struck the Kid sequel. Wow. <laughs> Were you, uh, are you, are you a Rick Moranis fan? Uh, I mean, I enjoy him. I don't know if I would call myself a fan. He's pretty great. You're not a Moranis head? Not a Moranis head. I mean, I did watch the Honey, uh... I blew up the kid, honey. I shrunk the ki- the the kids, and I also enjoyed the uh, honey. I shrunk the audience attraction as well. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I wish I had gone to see it before it closed. <laughs> uh, so, did you ever watch the third movie? Uh, what is that? What is the third honey, one? Honey, we shrunk Again? ourselves. Oh, honey, we shrunk. Yeah, I did see that one. Yes, I was a big honey. I shrunk the. Uh, honey, I Shrunk the Kids trilogy fan in general. I watched, I watched and owned all three <laughs> movies many times. I'm laughing, but I love them too. I did like them. Yeah, obviously the third one I think was the worst, but uh, I I really liked the second one, and I'm sure that's probably yeah, I'm that sure it's fun. probably fucking awful because it was one of those straight to VHS Disney releases. But I watched the hell out of that one. I think that's the one everyone thinks about when they even think about the series. Is no. the second one for whatever reason. Really? No? no? You think people think about one. the first the one? The first one is a is like a classic. Yeah. I don't know. I always feel like people forget that the first one is him blowing up his kid. No, the second one is him blowing up his kid. Is it? The sequel is him, is the kid getting big. That's I thought the, that was that the, was the sec- thought- that was the straight to VHS one. Oh, it was? Okay. Yes. The second, the, the Honey, I Blew Up the Kid was the one that, that nobody probably remembers much. Everyone oh, remembers okay. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which apparently you were saying the same thing. You just thought they came out in different order. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> yeah, no. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is the original, and it was the big hit. It's considered a classic. It was in theaters, and it was made a lot of money, and was, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, but I actually liked Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Yeah, so me too. Funny, okay. That was what I was saying. Is I, I That was my favorite <laughs> one as I was a kid, but I'm sure it, it probably sucks if I watched it now because it was one probably. of those shitty straight-to-VHS straight to, straight to VHS Disney movies. So anyway, uh, this answers the age-old question uh, if Rick Moranis is dead or just his career. He is not dead. He uh, is coming back. Um, okay. Oh boy. So I'm going to give 
control over to you for one of your uh, backlogged uh, topics you have. Oh, well, the Kickstarter one was my backlog one this time around. <laughs> no, you said you had, like, so, non-news things. I thought I did, and I can't find them. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> I have a whole list of topics here. I just, uh, we've, we've already, the only one I have left is the fact that um, the that Sonic is coming out, and it's apparently not It's awful. apparently getting, like, social media praise. Yeah, I don't know. But about that doesn't really mean much these days. It is currently out. The movie uh, began showing, I think, thirty minutes ago, and it has. You can get four dollar tickets if you're a T-Mobile. And it has sixty four percent. So it is fresh, barely. But I mean, I would. I think at most people were expecting like a twenty percent movie. So this is a win, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't want to really talk about it because I haven't seen it and I'm probably not going to see it much. Although if you're telling me that there's $4 tickets, I will probably buy them then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, T-Mobile Tuesday or whatever week thing. Right. So I'm looking at that now $4 movie ticket. I wonder if I can get that in the, uh, 4DX. I doubt it. <laughs> That'd be pretty sick, brah. We almost <laughs> I doubt went. You can do that. We almost went to the 40x showing for Valentine's Day just because it would be so those, silly. <laughs> those of you who don't know, the 40x shows are like the, it, the seat moves around. It sprays smells at you. It oh god sprays water at you. It's <laughs> there's a lot of dumb shit going on. It, it's kind of like a ride. What was the one you saw? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, God. And there's a point so, like, at the end where somebody's like shooting off a machine gun, and there's blasts of air coming out of the back of the seat, like, in, your, in, in the back of your head. And you enjoyed it? It was so stupid that it was funny and enjoyable, yes. Like, we... Uh, <laughs> Like we, I laughed a majority of the time, so it was, you know, it was one of those things where it was just so dumb and goofy that I, I had a, I had a pretty good time. Uh, I can't believe those theaters still exist already. Yeah, like, I mean, still exist now. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess if you don't have anything, I will move into this new segment here that i uh have in my back pocket for a rainy day which is uh i want you to uh tell us one of your absurd uh gaming stories from when you're a kid mm, give me, i mean what do you mean by absurd i don't know like you, like all the fucking shit that you got okay okay it's a Bowman, a, a Bowman childhood gaming story. I mean, those of you who don't know, I'm, I think I've said it a few times before, that my childhood was, my mom was obsessed with buying every new electronic device, and that included video games. So any obscure thing that came out, we got it. And we played a lot of really dumb stuff because we were doing it during that era of like the CDI and the game com so i'm trying to think of a story i don't really have so much of a story is that i guess i'll, I'll go with the, the cdi what one. about what about one of your uh what about one of the stories of your like dad flipping out <laughs> well i don't think he would ever flip out about it it's just that we would have cover-up stories as to how we had this stuff sometimes my mom would say oh just tell dad that like we won this tv like in a contest (laughs) (laughs) and then we would (laughs) i remember just my dad's like washing the dishes and can you believe we won this tv and i'm just and i know it's a lie and he just goes yeah that's really something as he's washing the dishes yeah that's a great life lesson for the kids (laughs) yeah oh god so, All right, so the yeah, CDI. I remember. I remember coming home 
I'm going to talk about my, my CDI story. So I do remember seeing the CDI in, uh, I think before when I used to tell a story, I used to say, oh, I didn't even know what the CDI was. I do remember, oh, you know what? That was, it still wasn't the CDI. That was a 3DO. I remember seeing the 3DO in game stores. Okay, no. So the CDI, I'm getting home from school, and we have this brand new game system. It's a disc system, and we have movies for it. We have, like, Adam's Family for it, and just a whole bunch of, like, odd games and my mom says okay now it's your turn to go pick out a game so we already had like zelda you know uh the wanna gamelon or both zelda games the one Mm -hmm. where you are zelda and the one where you're link we had this mystic midway game which i don't know if you know about this look it up sometime it's literally like you're on a roller a horror like roller coaster going through life like you start off as a baby and you go through every stage of life and it's supposed to be like a nightmare version of it mm-hmm. and you uh it's a shooting game you uh this shoot you have to get a certain amount of points to progress to the next level okay so it's i we so it's just odd games like that so i remember going to best buy and picking out I mean, I still remember the shell of games. Like there was Hotel Mario, uh, oh god, Adventure Golf. I forgot that that happened. Yeah, yeah. So for us, as, for us as kids, we we get we just got this brand new system, and we got a new Zelda, and we got a new Mario. This is awesome, <laughs> and it plays movies because this is before like DVDs. Right. We had a laser disc player at this point too, but uh, this was the first time we that I had like physical disc movies that small Mm -hmm. so that was appealing so yeah this the cdi was a really strange thing for us it really was like we got a lot of great games out of it like uh dragon's lair uh uh, rather uh dragon's lair 2 time warp which you have that copy now uh what uh uh, what game did you choose i chose of adventure golf okay which it's like this. The Game Grumps played it. It's this mini golf game where it's got these. It's really goofy cartoon animations. So basically, how it works, it's, it's timing. You just. Um, it's not like any other golf game you've ever played. It'll have like an animation playing on screen, mm-hmm. and then you have to decide when to. Uh, you can change the angle of the the ball. Uh, you can change your putter and your the angle that you're shooting and all that. But ultimately, what decides it is it's completely luck. And when you press the the the, uh, the A button or whatever to trigger the, the uh, scene, so it's all timing based. So there's no real skill involved. You kind of just learn. Oh, okay, when that character in the top left of the screen is doing this little thing, that's when I press the button. I think. Right. So we got that. Uh, so yeah, it was just such an odd thing because there were a lot of educational games for that system. Like really goofy, like art games, and also the one of the most abs- ridiculous memories I have with this system that I don't think anybody can really say about video games too much. Maybe maybe old PC games. We had a Titanic education thing where it was literally just it came out during all the buzz about the Titanic movie, hmm. and it was just a thing where you would just scroll through videos and it would just tell you stories of the Titanic. Yeah, there was a lot. And of I had a lot of memories. Yeah, it was a lot of stuff on there like that, and it's just such a unique thing. So for a while, like every time I get home from school, I would have like an ice cream, and sit down with my mom, and we would just go through this educational Titanic thing and just let it run. Fun fact: uh, the CDI is host to the only Zelda game where you can play as Princess Zelda. It's true. It's true. So just to give you an idea for you listeners out there uh, of what you guys were buying, uh, when, the, when the system came out in 1992, it cost $1,000. Oh, boy. So. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. So, you're, so basically on a spur of the moment for almost no reason whatsoever, uh, your mom went and dropped like sounds like thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars in nineteen ninety two dollars. Yeah, I mean 
she loved having like the latest and greatest things like she just liked watching us play these things and I have a back and forth relationship with that as an adult and how it affected me but I'm thankful that I but I'm, at the same time I'm also thankful for all the obscure things that I would have never even seen or heard of yeah I can imagine all right well thank you for that story I hope it was enlightening. I'll give you. I'll think of a good one next time. But yeah, that's the one that came to mind first. All right, cool. Well, on that note, uh, I guess we're gonna wrap this up. So I want to thank you all for listening, and you can download or subscribe in any podcatcher of your choice. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that shit. Uh, Please, if you enjoy what we're doing, leave us a five star review. It helps so goddamn much. And, uh, yeah, we want you to have a rip-roaring good day. We love you so much. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Lockout.